Welcome to Half Finished to Done, a podcast for passionate business owners like you who are ready to stop procrastinating and start finishing all of your half-done projects. I'm your host, Christina, and I'm looking forward to helping you finish your projects in a calm, sustainable way using a simple, repeatable process. All along the way, we'll be working through the mental, emotional, and logistical obstacles that are standing between you and extraordinary projects. Let's get into it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. I am super excited to have one of my former clients on again today. So Sarah, tell us a little bit about yourself and your work. First of all, thanks for having me. I'm excited. For sure. I am a parent coach for parents of toddlers. I'm also a board certified behavior analyst and a former developmental therapist. So I really help parents see the connection between their behavior and their toddler's behavior. And then we really address their behavior to address their toddler's behavior. And then I also am the mom of two kids, ages four and two and a half. And I'm Christina's sister. So you're my sister. So people might be wondering how the heck you ended up as my client. So let's start from the very beginning. Can you just talk people through how you got exposed to my work and how you ended up, let's say, begging me to join the program? (laughs) I really did. I don't remember exactly like the moment I first got exposed, but there's a memory I have of you helping me to organize my master bedroom. And like I was so overwhelmed and just wanted to quit and wanted to procrastinate by getting on my phone and looking at Facebook and Instagram. And you really helped me stop and like recognize how I was feeling and be able to work through that overwhelm. And I remember being like, oh my God, this is how I feel the majority of the time when I'm working. And I didn't realize that there was a process to work through it. So that was, I, I feel like the first moment that I was like, oh, I can see how this is really helpful. I remember this moment so vividly too. And to me, I was just at your house. I was probably in joggers and my cozy sweatshirt. Like it wasn't a professional moment by any means. I was just hanging out. But it was so obvious to me that every single time you hit a spot of the organization process that you didn't like, you reached for your phone. And I probably even said it like in a sassy way, like stop reaching for your phone every time you don't want to do it. It wasn't to me this grand aha moment, but it was so cool to watch that for you, you're like, oh, this is life changing. Yeah, totally. Because I had just always thought this was how I was. Yeah. So I feel like that was my first understanding that, oh, maybe this isn't just who I am. This is just how I work currently, but I can change that. Right. Okay. Can you describe the feeling in your body for people of that overwhelm when you're whether it's a home organization project, when the, whether it's working in your business, what does that feel like? Because I want people to be able to relate to that. I think for me, it's probably like a, I feel like even now just thinking about it, honestly, kind of a tightness in my chest, that pit in my stomach, and just like a blank mind. Like I cannot think. I cannot yeah. think. And I feel like a deer in the headlights. And it's just kind of like, wah. <laughs> I'm like, that is my, my description is, ah, and then I, I get on my phone. Yeah. So what do you think your phone is giving you in that moment? 
I mean, what it really gives me is probably more anxiety, but it just gives me an escape yeah. from that, those overwhelmed feelings. Okay. So that was the moment. That was like the first pivotal moment. And so for everyone listening, unfortunately, you don't get me in your home, but we always do joke. I'm like, if I came and observed you in your home environment, I could tell you within an hour your exact issues with finishing projects. For sure. I can just see it so clearly. So not everyone gets that benefit, sadly. Maybe it'll be an offer one day. But then talk us through the transition from that moment. It was probably, what, like a year, a year and a half until you were like, I'm ready to join the program. Please let me in. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think at that point, I don't even know if I had my coaching business, actually. Right. But then I think through talking to you, we had you know multiple kind of quote unquote coaching because it wasn't officially coaching. It was just sisters talking. Yeah. But I remember describing to you just sitting at my desk in my old job, in my old company that I owned, and just feeling this overwhelm and, oh, I might cry, um, but feeling like I am not good at this. I don't know how to work. I don't know how to organize anything. And I have so many big dreams and big ideas that are good and I'll never be able to implement them because I don't know how. And through that coaching, realizing this is not who I am. Like I said before, but like realizing that more and more is like, that's not who I am. It's that I don't have a skill set. And so realizing I was like, damn, man, like if I had had this in my previous business, it would have looked a lot different. So now knowing, like not wanting to repeat those patterns in my current company, you know, I was like, you got to let me in. I'm your ideal client. (laughs) Yeah. You said this to me a bunch. You're like, I'm your ideal client. I'm your ideal client. And what you said to me that really stuck with me is you're like, half-finished projects. No, I don't have half-finished projects. I have ideas that I haven't even got into the half-finished mark. And that has really landed with me because I know that that speaks to a percentage of people out there who are like, I can't join because I don't even have them half-finished yet. Yeah, I think that was probably like one of the biggest things that made me think that it wasn't for me because yeah, I've rarely had half finished. I've had not started. (laughs) Yeah. We'll we'll call it not started to done. That's the new name of the program. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And I know that there's some other reasons why you thought it might not be for you. So we will get to those. But what I'm curious about is talk me through the decision-making process. So I gave you a little test. I was like, if you come to the challenge and it's not weird for us to work together since we're sisters, then you can come to the program. But talk to me about the price and the investment. What were your hesitations around that? And how did you work through those? I mean, I was like, this is a lot of money to invest in myself. I'm not guaranteed a return. I wasn't making a ton of money at that point in my business. So the idea of turning around and and investing what little I had made was really scary and intimidating. But I also had had enough exposure to you and seen the results of working with you that I trusted the process, even though it was really terrifying. Yeah. So the price back then was 1500. It's now at the time of this recording, $2,000. And what's so interesting is we've talked about this. When you have $1,500 and you have the thought like, this is a ton of money. I can't possibly spend this. So it's not that you don't have the money. 
It's that the idea of investing it feels terrifying. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was like I had the money, but that was about all I had. It's not like I had thousands and thousands. And so 1500 was like a little percentage. It was like 1500 was it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I remember I said something to you that really landed for you, which I know really landed, which was think about what you have to create in your business in order to make this worth it. And for you at that time, it was one client or maybe a, a little over one client. Yeah. How did that shift things for you? I had seen enough results like client or um, consults booked after conversations with you or when you had visited to know that the work you would do with me, I felt very confident that I would get at least one client. So I made that my goal. I was like, if I can get one client within these eight weeks, it will be worth it because I feel like I will have also decreased so much of my overwhelm and it will be more able to work productively and efficiently and in a way I want to. Right. So you were basically like, okay, if I get the one client and I feel better, even if I break even in my investment, the emotional ROI is worth it. Yes. Yeah. Which is hilarious that we're having this conversation because this is not at all what happened. (laughs) So let's go there. Let's actually go to the results that you got and then we'll kind of backtrack throughout the process. So tell us about the results that you ended up getting. I ended up getting three or four. Four, four, four clients, I think, in the first week. And <laughs> in the first month, the first four weeks, I made more than I had the rest of the year combined. It's insane. <laughs> insane. Yeah. So I had the divine thinking. I pushed you on this. I was like, you need to create a graph that shows your revenue and it shows your overall revenue not just your monthly revenue, but your overall. So you can see the increases. And you're like, I just don't think it's going to be that impressive. And I was like, just do it. Just do it. Humor me. And I actually made the graph for you, which I don't do for all my clients. That's a sister perk. And that watching that graph, I mean, it exploded. Yeah. I mean, it's a very clear face change line where I started the program. Yeah. And so what I think is really cool about this is that I'm not a sales coach. Like I'm not going to teach people how to sell. So it's not even like you learned that specific skill set. So what did you tangibly learn that created those results for you that far exceeded what you had originally planned to do? I know (laughs) I had been operating so much out of urgency. And the first day when you had us do the three by three by three, which I assume you've talked about. I haven't. Let me actually just explain that super quick. So thank you. So three by three by three is part of the three-step anti-procrastination cycle. So the first step of that cycle is crafting a three-year vision. The second step of that cycle is you align your identity and your emotions through a tool called three by three by three. So you look at your three-year vision and you tell yourself, what are three emotions that I want to feel that I would be feeling at my three-year vision? What are three emotions that I would be willing to feel if I were at my three-year vision? And then what are three emotions I would have to feel less of to reduce in order to be at my three-year vision? So that's something I teach the very beginning of the one-day kickoff call. So you had like an extraordinary experience with that. So go ahead. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I, I realized urgency was such a huge thing I was feeling at that time. And I decided that was something I wasn't going to allow myself to feel. 
And then one of the things I really wanted to feel was clarity. And, you know, if you're a deer in the headlights, you don't feel a lot of clarity and you feel a lot of urgency, but you don't know what to do with it. And it wasn't creating the results I wanted. So the acting as if I wrote down at the top of my page, I am a badass go-to coach. I was like, in three years, I am going to be the badass parenting for toddlers parenting coach. And putting myself in that mindset, acting as if, literally just like changed my life, changed my business. And so every time I started to get into that urgency or get into a lack of clarity, putting myself in the three-year me, this like super confident, go-to, badass coach, I'm like, well, what would she be doing? What would she be feeling? How would she be acting? And it changed everything. This moment is just so insane to me. Or I should say moments. It started with one moment, and then you just continue to go back to that one sentence for the whole eight weeks of badass go-to coach what would that version of me be doing? And I think, so this is an example of the future self. And there's actually been a lot of research about the way that we relate to our future selves and how powerful it is as a tool. And so you just used that future version of you. You tapped into your imagination in a way that enabled you to pull yourself out of your current feeling, which in this case was a lot of urgency, and into the clarity that you were seeking. So you created clarity on demand for yourself. Yeah, I mean, it became like a running joke. <laughs> like every call was like, I felt clarity. <laughs> Everybody kind of rolled their eyes, you know, jokingly, but like the thing I had wanted the most, I felt like I got so much of. Yeah. You gave it to yourself. Yeah. Yes. I wanted that to be really clear. Like, of course, it was by being in the program and having this framework, but it's like, I didn't give you answers. You gave yourself answers that gave you clarity. Right. Yeah. And the conversation around urgency was really memorable to me as well, because even in the year and a half that you and I had been talking, we talked a lot about overwhelm, but we never specifically used the word urgency. And so that came up during the one day kickoff event. And it was like, I don't remember the exact way that came out, but it was so obvious that it was urgency. And I want to distinguish for everyone, there's this difference between healthy urgency, which some people need a little bit more of, right, to get yourself into action. But what we're talking about is the scarcity-fueled, fear-fueled urgency. And we could see so clearly that that was the exact thing that you would feel and then it would backfire into overwhelm. Yeah, because I think when I was in that scarcity mentality and the urgency, usually my go-to was I have to make a bunch of reels and like get clients this way. Yeah. And they weren't necessarily quality. And I was just doing them because I felt like I had to do something. And now I don't always have clarity, but instead of spinning and just creating work or just doing something, I step away. If I don't Mm -hmm. feel like I'm able to work through it, I step away and I go do something else, which I was never able to do before. So I, I felt like I was always working and never taking breaks, but not getting the results I wanted. Okay, let's talk about this because this happens a lot. I was actually just talking about this with someone on the bare minimum challenge. So she was saying that she does loads of work 
but doesn't get the results that she wants. And she doesn't actually do the work that is most productive. That's highest value that she wants to get done. And what I was saying is you're trading, you're doing the small unimportant things because your brain's like, well, I'll feel productive if I do that. Yeah. But then you're never actually getting the results you want because you're not doing the right things. And so it's like, you're giving yourself this false feeling of satisfaction, but it's so insanely fleeting because you know, deep down that it's not actually what you're hoping for. Yeah. So I love that you figured out a way to work yourself out of that. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely still something I struggle with, but I am able to catch myself and step away. So I actually work way, way less now than I used to, but have way better results. Okay. Explain that. <laughs> and, and let me say, I said this super early on, you're working limited hours because you are a stay-at-home mom as well as running your business. And I said, you are learning from the very beginning of your business that time does not equal value, that you can actually create an insane amount of value in a small amount of time. So if you have circumstances that allow you to only work a few hours and you're thinking that's a bad thing, I actually think that's a very good thing because it makes you be completely restrained and constrained from the get-go. Yeah. So I work two mornings a week (laughs) and then occasionally I do, you know, a couple hours here and there, but for the most part, I work two mornings a week. That's it. And it requires me to have a plan to execute the plan. (laughs) And there's no time to sit and spin and there's no time to create work that isn't helpful because that's all I have. Yeah. And so I'm going into each work session with a plan now And if I don't have a plan, then I just don't work. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. So good. Time in your business does not necessarily correlate to value. Yeah. And let me say like this idea of like, if I don't have a plan, I don't work. Even as I'm saying, I'm like, that sounds kind of crazy. But what was happening before is I didn't have a plan. So I was spinning. So I was like, quote unquote working, but I wasn't actually like working. So now I just step away. It's kind of a mind fuck. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is because your brain tells you suffer through, right? Your quote was just do something. And that yep. sounds, it's what I call like a seemingly innocent thought. Just do something sometimes works for you because you've used yeah. that thought in a powerful way, but the way you were using it before it was not powerful and it was backfiring. Yes. I think, yeah, the just do something is helpful when I have a plan and I get stuck on a detail. Mm. So like when I was writing my email series, which I had put off for months and months and months, and then I ended up writing a four email series in a morning. (laughs) But the just do something was really helpful because I would get stuck on like a sentence and I would just move on and then I would come back to that. Versus I have two hours of quote unquote, work time, you know, a two hour time block, but I have no plan whatsoever sitting there spinning out and like just to do a reel that was not helpful. Yeah. So that's when I'll walk away. Okay. So you just alluded to something. We just gave a name to it. We've named it the comeback rule. And the comeback rule is a really powerful tool that you invented <laughs> unintentionally right. really to combat <laughs> perfectionism. So can you explain the comeback rule? Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know I created it. (laughs) It was a sister mind meld. (laughs) So yes, I found that I was getting bogged down in the little tiny details. 
So for example, if I was making a graphic for Instagram, I would get super stuck on the exact color I should use or the exact text or the size of the text, like little things that really don't matter. Or when I was writing emails, I would get stuck on like this one sentence or this one word even, and I would just sit there and obsess. And then I would usually end up going to my phone (laughs) because I was like, I can't deal with this overwhelm. So now I'm aware of it. And I like make sure I remember that before I'm going to work on something so I can like remind myself as it, because I know it's going to come up in pretty much everything I do. So now I will just like, as soon as I start catching myself focusing too much on this one thing, I'm like, okay, stop, move on and I'll come back to it. <laughs> yeah. And then usually it's like, snap it, it something, I figure it out. But when I obsess over it, then I get into that overwhelm and I get into that spinning. And then I just, can't, I'm, in, I'm that deer in the headlights. I cannot think. Right. So the comeback rule is so powerful because you're like, okay, I can come back to it. And then you're like, most of the time I don't actually need to come back to it. Right. Because like you said, the right thing just pops into your head, the right word, the right color, whatever. And it's just so powerful as a way to detach yourself from that moment of where your brain's like the only thing that matters in the world right now is nailing this color perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The comeback rule. I freaking love it. Let me ask you this. What else did you stop doing or start doing less of because of the way you started to understand value and results? So while I was in Half Finished It On Live, my Instagram was disabled. And Instagram is my number one referral source. And I woke up one day and I was in the middle of doing something on Instagram and all of a sudden it was gone. Whole thing was deleted. And I definitely panicked, but then I actually was able to turn it into a huge blessing. And I realized that I had to stop putting so much focus on one thing and stop obsessing about it so much, which I knew, but it really drove this home. So I didn't have my Instagram for about two weeks and it made me get creative because I was like, well, how the hell am I going to meet all these goals without my number one referral source? So it forced creativity. It took away my ability to sit and spin on Instagram or to make a reel because I didn't know what else to do. It's completely like changed my relationship with Instagram. I did get it back, but I don't feel as obsessive about it and I'm not spending as much time on it. And it it made me like get a bunch of other things done in my business that I wanted to. Yeah. The way you handled that was so cool to watch because we've talked about your relation to Instagram before the program. And so I was really aware of it. And I remember calling out in your project plan. I remember being like, so we do this thing called Oprah Million Dollar Challenge. And there's now a podcast episode about that. And it basically requires you to completely reassess all of your action steps that are required to get the final result that you want. And I remember saying to you, like, what if you could do this without Instagram? Have you even considered that as a possibility? And I, I want to say that was before your account got taken away. Probably. Right. So it was like, I was already planting the seed. I was like, okay, what if Instagram isn't the end all be all? Because I was also seeing how it was causing you pain, right? By being really attached to it. But I commend you for being so open to like, okay, I'm willing to contemplate all the options here. I'm willing to have a blank slate with this project 
and reassess how I'm going to get these results. And then the Instagram gods were like, okay, no Instagram. And so yeah. really, really forced you <laughs> into that mindset. Yeah. I mean, even as I didn't have my Instagram, once I kind of got through the panic, I was like, you know what? I think this is a really good thing. It made me build my email list. I think I've like doubled my email list since then. And I was just, I mean, this has only been a few weeks ago. I'm actually using my email list. (laughs) What? (laughs) So it's really like it forced some creativity and forced me to do things that I had on my list, but just wasn't prioritizing because I was just always prioritizing Instagram because it was easy to do. Yeah. I love that term forced creativity. I think that's really cool for people to think about in their lives is like, what is a thing that could either shut you down and send you into like a spiral of defeat or you can use it as an opportunity to be like, wait a second, it's time to do things differently. So I think Instagram was such a cool way that you did that. I would also love for you to share anything else that came up in the program where you saw that you could use it as an opportunity to get into a negative emotion, but you didn't. I feel like there's a few examples of that. Does anything come to mind? Yeah. So the biggest one was I had a fam, a couple, one of my clients that was unhappy about a session and I have anxiety. So that combined with the way that I work would usually make me completely spin out, make me not be able to sleep, like all of these things. And I was able to coach myself through it because I use really actively. And I actually am like looking at the place where I was standing. I remember standing outside my shower like right by my towel. And I was thinking, what would a badass go-to coach think, feel, say, do? And I really, really went to that place and like became that person. And my personality would have been to change my program to keep this family happy or to have tried to justify things. And when I really went to the act as if, I was like, no, I believe so strongly in the way that I'm doing things and why I'm doing things. And so I got on the call the next morning. First of all, I slept like a baby, no anxiety, which that to me, I was like, holy fuck, like this is life-changing. Yeah. (laughs) No anxiety, what? And I got on the call the next morning and I was like, let's talk about this. And I was like, here is why we're doing this. I want to make sure you guys understand. And I completely understand if this is not what you guys want to do, but this is why I'm doing it. And this is why it's important. And this is how the program runs. And they were good. Like once I explained it really clearly and I was confident because I believed in why I was doing it and I was acting, again, I was acting as if, And they were fine with it. And we had a great session and things have been good since. However, had I let like anxiety take over, I would have shown up. I would have tried to justify. I would have felt a lack of confidence. And then they wouldn't get the results that they deserve, that they signed up for, that they paid for. Yeah, it's like what I think happens for a lot of people is we go to either one of two or both places, which is I'm wrong or they're wrong Mm -hmm. or both right? We just wobble back and forth. They're wrong. I'm wrong. And then that shows up, right? Like you said, in that conversation, it shows up as defensiveness or even like subtle accusatory towards your client. 
versus you coming in, coming from that calm confidence. Yeah, that's really what it was. And, you know, when I say like, maybe this isn't for you, it wasn't like a defensive thing at all, but it was like giving them, like, you guys get to make a choice, but I feel really good about why I've designed my program the way that I have. And a badass go-to coach wouldn't change it for every single client because that's not going to be effective. Yeah. I think it's those moments where you're like, I have created something that I can stand behind. And the more confident I become in that, the less I need to convince other people. Like I experienced this early on in my business where I could tell that I was trying to convince people into being in an agreement with me Yes, because I wasn't feeling secure. And it's so ironic. The more secure we get, the less convincing we are because we don't need other people to agree. Yeah. Well, and I feel like since the program, I have let my passion show. Whereas before my passion felt salesy. Mm. Now my passion, I'm like, no, like this is gold. (laughs) Like you want this. And it's not from a place of scarcity mentality or a lack of confidence. It's from like, I truly am confident and I know I can change your life. And so it doesn't feel salesy anymore. And people don't think it feels salesy. Yeah. That's a whole nother conversation about salesy. Because like you obviously had a lot of thoughts around salesy. And I would say to you, I'm like, right, if you genuinely believe in it and you genuinely believe it's going to help them, what is that salesy component? So it's so cool to see that you've worked through that. Yeah, I don't feel that at all. So many incredible benefits. So Can you talk us through what are the other things? Just like talk about all the aha moments or the shifts that you've seen in your business and in your personal life from having another program. So many. (laughs) So I decreased my availability with clients. I used to be available so often that I was scrambling to get childcare, which we don't have. We're like putting, you know, in-laws and my husband have to take off work, whatever. So I just decreased it and made it work for me. And Guess how many complaints I've had? Zero. (laughs) Wait, I want to pause there. Because I've seen the other side when you over-accommodate, you specifically and people in general, when you over-accommodate, what happens is you accommodate and then people show up as they're going to, which is sometimes not at all or sometimes late. That breeds resentment because your thought is, I've done everything I can to accommodate you and you didn't behave. (laughs) versus you're like, here's when I'm available. If you can match that, amazing. Yeah. It's It's like a resentment eliminator. Right. It's boundaries. Yeah. Which you teach for kids. (laughs) (laughs) And I teach for adults. (laughs) I mean, I just applied a lot of what I teach to my business. So yeah, there was that. I think one of the biggest changes was the change in my husband, who he saw the changes that were happening with me. And it wasn't like I was trying to sell him on it. I just was really excited about things. And he would see it. And he, would, he went from being like, eh, coaching to, oh my God, coaching really works. <laughs> and this was actually the first time I had officially done coaching in my life. So I was like, oh, wow, it really, really works. <laughs> but he really saw that. And he started to change. He started to apply some of these things. And then even like with our kids, since doing the program regularly, he will say, Hey, I need coaching on X, like kid related thing. And he's 
super open to it. And he's like recognizing the patterns in his behavior um, and how they affect his parenting and how they affect our kids' behavior. And it's just like, it just opened his mind completely to just coaching in general. (laughs) Yeah. What I've seen is in the past, you have tried to change his behavior because you're married and that's what married people do is try to change their spouse's behavior. You've done that a lot, not always successfully. But what I saw when you joined the program was you just stayed in your lane. You put your head down and you went to work on your business and yourself. And he saw that. And I think he's responding to like a lack of pressure from you. He's just seeing all these results that you're getting. And he's like, wait, I want a piece of that. But what's so cool is it didn't come out of you trying to change him or trying to influence him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think most people, but not to gender stereotype, but many men, and especially my husband, when you tell them to do something, they're going to purposely do the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so seeing him change behavior on his own because of my behavior change has just been so cool to watch. And then him asking me for coaching is new. What I'm thinking about as you're talking is like, I obviously commend him. Like he's my brother-in-law and it's so cool to see those changes and his openness. And I want to go back to you and your openness. I was actually thinking about this. I haven't said this to you directly. So we'll probably both cry. No one's surprised that you cried because I cry in every episode. (laughs) What I was thinking about was how much humility, I think is the right word, it requires of you to be coached and you specifically to be coached by your younger sister and to be completely receptive to everything that I said. That blows my mind. I mean, I don't really think of you as my younger sister, first of all. I think of you as my (laughs) equal. Yeah. But when it came to this, I see you as the expert. Like, I never saw you as my sister when we were in the program. Yeah. And I wrote on day one during the kickoff call, in addition to go to badass coach, I wrote trust the process Yeah. in capital letters. And every single call, I would write that at the top of my page. And so, you know, there were some times I was frustrated. <laughs> And I would always go back to that of like, okay, well, the way I have been doing things is not working. Trust the freaking process. And so I did that. And sometimes it was really annoying, but it worked. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the times you were annoyed because again, they're really good opportunities that you've taken them and you've turned them into really powerful wins. So tell me about a few of those. When you miss a call or an assignment, you have to write up like your explanation of why and like answer some questions. And I would like to be clear, you don't actually have to, but I recommend that you do. (laughs) I thought it was required. (laughs) So I had planned to turn an assignment 12 hours late because I had sick toddlers and just a really crazy week. And so I made a really intentional choice to turn my assignment in late and then I had to do this like missed work assignment or it was recommended that I do it. I thought I had to. <laughs> and as I was doing it, I realized I felt so much resentment <laughs> because I was like, I had really good reasons and it was my choice. And like, I'm an adult. I can do this. You're not in charge of me. And I shouldn't have to do this extra assignment. And I just felt ragey. 
I just felt so irritable. You wrote in your assignment, in your assignment, you said, I feel so defensive. And it's probably coming across in the way that I'm writing this. I feel so defensive. Yeah. And then you turned it in to an aha moment where you were like, if I'm this defensive, there's probably part of me that doesn't think that I made the right decision. Yeah. So I think it was like the aha moment was I had had these a few weeks where I just felt kind of stuck. And there was like, kids were sick and school started and I had less and less time to work. Like it wasn't what I had planned. And then the kids being sick was just kind of like the final straw. And I used that. So when I kind of had that aha moment, I think that's when I actually decided to work less and to make my availability less. Yeah. And I was like, I can do this. I don't need to be creating work. And I kind of like started doing more bare minimum, but long-term. Yeah. And that only came because you did the assignment. You felt the defensiveness that came up. You recognize that defensiveness is only there, again, when part of you doesn't think you're making the right decision. And instead of being like, I'm making the wrong decision and spinning out on that, you were like, what is it specifically that happened that I'm actually not in agreement with myself about? Yeah. And what's especially interesting to me is when you're in the program and you do this missed call or missed assignment exercise, it's worded extremely neutrally. The questions are not like, why the fuck did you not do it? (laughs) Justify yourself, right? It's written really neutrally. And I've gone back through and I'm like, is this neutral? And I've checked it and rechecked it. And the reason it's so neutral is because sometimes you do that assignment and you're like, yeah, I 100% made the right choice. Go me. Now I'm even further in agreement with myself. But if you do the exercise and you don't find that, perfect opportunity to be like, okay, where am I not being completely honest with myself? Well, and I feel like looking back, the decision to turn in that assignment 12 hours later, whatever it was, I did agree with. And that's why I thought I was defensive. But then when I like really looked at it, I was actually defensive because of like the previous couple weeks. So it was very interesting. It really wasn't about that one assignment. It was about so much more. Yeah. So it ended up being helpful, even though I was annoyed. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Well, and the other thing that you got annoyed about, let's talk about wins, and then we'll go back to your successes. But tell us about the wins and how that was annoying to you. Oh, yeah. So Christina tends to really push clients. So every win or non-win, she will ask why. <laughs> And I find it so annoying. So I'd be like, I had this big win and I'm so excited. She's like, okay, why? What created that? Why did you have that? Why did you have it this time but not last time? And it's so annoying, but really, really helpful to look at my behavior so that I can replicate my wins and that they're not just random. But it's hard. And it, I think it, it definitely triggers that deer in the headlights overwhelm for me. Of like, I don't know. I don't, I don't freaking know why it worked. I probably find that to be one of the hardest parts of working with you and most effective is like really having to, to look at why things are happening. And as a behavior person, I know behavior doesn't happen randomly, but it's still really hard and frustrating <laughs> and effective. Yeah, in effect, <laughs> which is really interesting because I'm like, we're talking about wins here. I can see how it would be really hard to look at what's not working and like face that and have that be hard. But it's hard to look at your own wins because like you said, part of your brain is like, I don't know, this is random. This just happened. 
like the stars aligned beautifully. And I'm like, when you are in that mindset, like you said, you can't replicate that behavior. And what we want is we want you understanding why you're creating wins so that you can create more wins. And actually, this would be really helpful for you to describe this. I know you turned around and started using this with your clients and talk about that reinforcement piece because I think this will be helpful for people to hear it in that way. Yeah, so I totally stole this and implemented it as part of my 12-week program. I do give you credit. (laughs) But so as a behavior, so I'm a behavior analyst, when you are looking for your wins, then you will notice more of them. And when you notice more of them, then you can reinforce them. And when you reinforce something, then it increases. So reinforcement is anything that increases the likelihood of that thing happening more in the future. So just behavior 101, I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. But being able to really understand it so that you can reinforce it is huge. Like it's not random. Right. Yeah. Okay. So basically it's like by the transitive property, looking at your wins equals more wins. That's simply what we're saying. Yeah. And I say, I'm like, there's no science to back this, but this is my anecdotal evidence from running this program with so many people. The people who look at their wins and post their wins are the happiest and most successful always by a landslide. I have a client actually who she was really, really struggling to look at her wins. Like it made her so uncomfortable. She was like, I don't have any. I don't want to look at them. I don't want to talk about them. And I can see now we get on calls and she'll say her wins. And then I'll be like, what else? And she'll be like, oh, and then this one. And then this one. And I told her, I was like, the way that you talk about your wins is a 180 from how it used to be. And you can just tell she's so much happier and more proud of herself. That's what I've seen with you as well. It's just that pride which the pride and the joy, which were two of the emotions you really wanted to feel. Yeah. Well, I I think there is evidence. I mean, this again is behavior 101. It's like, if you're getting reinforcement, then behaviors increase. So of course you're going to be happier and more productive and joyful and all of those things. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think our society kind of makes us downplay things. Like it's not really a thing to be like out celebrating your wins. For me, like parents are definitely not celebrating their wins as a parent. Yeah, huge. Okay, before I ask you to give advice to anyone who's thinking of joining, do you have any other big benefits or aha moments that you want to share? So the very first call, I had our neighbor who's 12 come over and she's a mother's helper for us. I had her come over to hang out with my toddlers and it's an hour call I knew she could handle. I was home. Well, my daughter got upset about something. I think she got hurt. And she came down into the room and interrupted me. And I couldn't calm her down. And I missed about 10 minutes of the call. And I was so upset. I had to turn my camera off multiple times because I was just sitting there sobbing because I was like, I had a whole plan. I had everything covered. And now I'm not going to be taken seriously. And everybody's going to think like, I didn't prepare for this call. The whole program, it's just wasted. And then I stopped and I was like, no, this was 10 minutes. And this is what I teach clients all the time is your kid has a tantrum. That's not your whole day. That's 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And then you get to reset And if you stay stuck in those 10 minutes that you wasted, 
then you are going to end up wasting 50 minutes or eight weeks. So being able to catch myself, and it was then during that call that I was like, I have these skills. All of these skills that Chris is teaching us, I have them, but I have them as a parent. And I teach these exact skills, most of them, to other parents. And I am a badass mom, and I am great at these as a parent. And when it comes to business, I don't have them. And when I realized that I was like, oh, this is just a skill set that I have to apply to a different area of my life, it was like a massive light bulb moment and it made it all so much easier. And then I've taken that and turned it around to be like, I have parents who are you know, really high up in their businesses. And I'm like, you have these skills as a business person. Now apply it to parenthood. It's just a skill set. I won't ever forget that call. Yeah. And I, the way that it could have snowballed, like you said, into this whole like defeated. And what's really interesting is having a lot of thoughts about what other people are thinking about you in that moment, right? It's not just what you're thinking about you, but what other people are thinking about you. Or you thought that I would have judgments of you too. And just taking that, I mean, like, nope, reset. So powerful. Yeah. Well, and I remember after that call, I cried and I was like, I'm going to give myself a little bit of time to be upset because I, I was really upset about it. And then I was like, okay, how can I change things? Yeah. And that's where I think that's where the skill set that I have as a parent is like looking at like evaluating situations and then not in a blaming way of why did you think a mother's helper would be able to do it? But being like, okay, that didn't work. How can I make a plan for the future that's going to work better in a kind, loving way to myself? And then it was fine. Yeah. I had a plan moving forward. So it was one call of eight. Right. Well, and 10 minutes of one call of eight. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so it's a perfect example of obstacle and strategy, which is embedded throughout the entire program. They're like, okay, here's an obstacle. Every obstacle has a strategy. Let's figure out what it is. And you did that work on your own. So freaking cool. The last thing I want to say that I saw in you and that I want to hear your advice is the thing that stuck out to me the most, first of all, you said is that you started seeing it as a missing skill set instead of who you are. So that is super powerful for everyone to hear. The other thing that you said to me that we'll always remember is you said to me, you made me believe in myself. Yeah. I mean, I have always said I am an idea person. And I've been like, I can come up with great ideas. I can generate so many awesome ideas and then I, I can't implement And that's just been who I am. And so the idea that I can be an idea person and I can actually implement them, learning those skills, it's life-changing. And I've seen so many changes in my business and had so many opportunities that have come just since doing the program a few weeks ago. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. What advice do you have for anyone who has either just joined and is about to start or who's thinking about joining? If you're in it, trust the process. Yeah. I know it's hard and it can be uncomfortable, but trust the process. It's there for a reason. And when Christina pushes you, she's doing it to help you. So literally write it at the top of your page. Trust the process. That to me was the biggest part of it. Yeah. And then for people who are thinking of joining... I mean, it's life-changing. That's not really advice, but do it would be my advice. 
because it's like the ROI for me was every single area of my life. It improved my marriage, it improved my husband's behavior, it improved my behavior, it improved my effectiveness as a stay-at-home mom, it changed how I related to my kids, Um, it made me a better mom, it obviously made me a way better business person, it increased my revenue by a lot, it made me a better coach. I mean, there are literally no downsides. I wish in some ways that I had had this when I was younger or in previous businesses, but I feel like I'm in the business that I'm supposed to be now. So I feel like it it really probably came at the right time. But the overwhelm and the agonizing that I've had for so many years, I'm like, oh man, it would have been nice to take that away. Yeah. So yeah, do it. Do it is my advice. It will literally change your life. It's so cool to see how it's changed here. So thank you for sharing with us today. And how can people follow up with you? I'm on Instagram. Back on Instagram. (laughs) Joyful Toddler Parenting. And then my website is joyfultoddlerparenting.com. Everywhere is Joyful Toddler Parenting. Perfect. If you have toddlers and you want to enjoy the toddler stage, seek out Sarah. Thank you for joining today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Half Finished to Done podcast. If you're ready to become a self-assured repeat project finisher, the best place to work with me is in my eight-week group coaching program, Half Finished to Done, live. You'll leave our time together with one finished project and the skills you need to finish any project, personal or business, in the future. Just head to peakcoaching.co slash HFD live for your next step. Can't wait to work with you.